Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are... Three down, one to go for this week's PGA Championship. Mark Immelman joins me. Mark, good to see you. How's it, boys? Uh, it felt like a U.S. Open broke out at the PGA this afternoon, but uh, it was all good. I hope you guys are well. Uh, the coach is here. Coach, uh, I feel like I'm playing referee anytime. Uh, it's Mark, <laughs> me, coach. I'm just going to try to stay out of the way and play fight clean, boys. It's all good. It's all good. I got to tell you, when I stepped on property this morning and the wind was already – blowing i knew it was going to be a really hard day i think that's a great description by mark that it was really a struggle today for everybody and a few guys were able to play well and gain a lot more than what their their scores indicated let let's talk about the conditions before i do that let me remind you of one thing download the official pga championship app it provides fans both on site and watching from home an in-depth experience as the strongest major championship field in men's golf takes on southern hills in tulsa oklahoma visit the app store or google play to download the 2022 pga championship app right now conditions were a little bit different mark a little direction change in the wind and what, 30, 35 degrees cooler than what we saw over the first two rounds? Goodness gracious. I mean, it was scorching a couple of days ago. And this morning when I woke up, it was frigid. Oh, no, frigid's the wrong word. That's exaggerating. But it was cold, cold enough that, that I walked outside and I was like, oh, goodness. And I had to get go inside and actually had to stop via uh, merchandising because some of us might have packed badly for Tulsa because we thought it was going to be hot <laughs> like Dallas last week. Um, but I guess the best description would have been uh, Lucas Glover got out early, right? And before we go on the air, you know, I just go, you go and have a look around. You go to the range. You go and, you know, maybe discuss conditions with a player or two. And Lucas is standing there waiting for his ride. So he goes, hey, what's up? So I'm like, you done already? And he goes, yeah. And he had played well. He shot a couple under, I think it was. So I'm like, quickly tell me about it. And he goes, ball's not going anywhere in the air. He goes, the rough is difficult. Um, of course, it's a little receptive, but it is playing long. And nobody knows what to do around the golf course in the wind because we haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, not even if you came up, you know, for a practice round, maybe a week or two before the time, he goes, nah, no one's seen this win. So it's a guess for everybody. The lines off the tees were changing. And so essentially it was, to me, the height of professional golf because these guys separate themselves by being adaptable and and, and being um, fluid with changes in environments and we had that today and and you could see some of the guys who sort of excelled are guys maybe that play in Europe like a Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick because you never know what the weather and the golf course is going to hold there every it could change within a few hours and we saw that year overnight last night in Tulsa well we'll talk individually about the guys that excelled but coach just zoom out a little bit look at the top of this leaderboard I'll count the number of wins for you here as we are just 18 <laughs> holes away, a sprint to the finish line. 
Mito Pereira, zero PGA Tour wins. Matt Fitzpatrick, zero. Will Zalatoris, zero. Cam Young, zero. Abe Answer, one. Seamus Power, one. That's two combined PGA Tour victories for the top six guys with 18 holes to play at a major championship. Well, I feel like me and Mark are in simpatico because there may or may not have been a large black man in the merchandise tent this morning also who had packed badly. Uh, unfortunately, all the XXLs were gone. The guy literally laughed at me and said, those were gone three days ago, son. And I said, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> luckily AIG had something for me to put on. Uh, but when you talk about at the top of the leaderboard, I think tomorrow's going to be incredibly fascinating because uh, we talk on First Cut all the time about how hard it is to win and why guys drop and why guys drop back. And sometimes when you don't have scar tissue, you can do what Mito Pereira did today when he had multiple bogeys in a row. He falls all the way back to six under, bringing so many guys back into it. Then you look at the leaderboard by the time we were done. Who are the guys that fell off? JT, Bubba, Rory did come back a little bit at the end, but his six over early on had already put him way back. And so if we go off today, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But Sunday is a completely different day than Saturday. I said this morning on CBS Sports HQ that I still believe come Sunday night, Will Zalatoris will get the job done because he will be able to weather the storm the best. I might have to change my answer based off of what I saw the last hour today with Mito Pereira birding um, that last hole to get his score back up to where it was. So right now I think he's the guy to beat. Let's talk about what happened today because it was an absolute roller coaster ride. We're going to start at the top of the leaderboard, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business. Taylor brands. Isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Mito Pereira, nine under par, three shots clear of the chase pack. This was a tale of three different segments of this round, Mark. He went out for seven holes, two under par. His next five? He played at four over his final six. He played at three under. So it was a fast start. Got a little shaky in the middle. He was able to right the ship and he is going to be multiple shots clear heading into the final round. 
Yeah. And for me personally, before I talk a little bit about Mito, because every time I turned around, because I had the penultimate group, the guy was in the middle of the fairway. Um, earlier this year in Pebble Beach, I had never really watched him play. So I made a point of watching him play some in, in my Friday preparation. And I took a swing video and I put it on social media. And I'm like, this boy is a hitter. And instantaneously, the strokes gain brigade came after me and told me I didn't know what I was talking about because his strokes gain ball striking numbers are poor. And I was like, you guys need to get out from behind your computers because he proved his worth today. Today, you had to be managerial. You had to strike the ball well. And very importantly, it was a game of recovery. So if you missed, you had to make those four, five, six, seven foot, those, those sort of uncomfortable putts, which you, you, you got to do, especially in a major championship. And and he, to me, just, just put together a very, very well um, played round. And what was the most uh, impressive to me was not the fact that I'd turn around and see him in the fairway and turn around and see him hit the ball the right distance on the green. When he had that little wobble through the middle portion of the round, from what I understood, and I had a chat with Dottie Pepper on the way home, we were driving together. She said, you know, he never really looked face. It's not like stuff got away from him mentally or emotionally. So uh, I think your observation, Rick, is on point because, look, he appeared a little nervous today. Zalatoris did to me as well. And you're going to be nervous tomorrow. But then Mito can just remind himself, well, everyone's going to feel that way. And I currently have a lead. And this thing is open season right now. And if I do what I've been doing, who knows, I might have a very trophy, in my, a very heavy trophy in my hands in just a few hours' time. Only playing his second major championship. He missed the cut at the 29 U.S. Open. He's the first player to hold an outright 54-hole lead in their PGA Championship debut since John Daly in 1991. We know how that one ended, Coach. But Mito got to 10 under par. And then when those bogeys started to roll in at 8, 9, and 10, I said, okay, there's that, there's that leaderboard gravity coming back to the field a little bit. Very impressed for him to right the ship. Uh, he played 17 by laying up in a way that no one else played it, made par, and then he drops a birdie on 18. He's going to sleep well tonight. Well, yeah, maybe, he, maybe not, actually. He'll like his play, but he might not <laughs> sleep well. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I love how, how CBS will do that kind of – not a time cast, but they'll show you the different points of the afternoon and where the leaderboard was at at that particular time. And – I never could have imagined that we would have Mito at nine under when Will started there the day before, and he would be uh, three back at six under. But the one thing that I took away from today, even though Mito played, you know, probably as good as, as anybody down the stretch, with the exception of Matthew Fitzpatrick, is how he was doing it. The fact that he stuck to his game plan, the fact that Faldo ripped him, saying that makes no sense on seventeen, and Faldo was right because he ended up not burning that hole because of such a short uh, pitch. But he clearly, even in that moment, did not have the shot that he liked. So he was enough in the head game to back off, and that to me showed everything. That in that moment, two holes to play on Saturday. Uh, that he didn't get caught up in the moment. So he's going to sleep well tonight. And I think that it's going to be fascinating to watch tomorrow. It's one thing to win your first tournament at the Safeway. But when you do it here, and we've seen it before, I said on the show last night, I said this is the one championship where this can't happen. You don't ever see it at the Masters or the U.S. Open or, or the Open Championship. But this is the one championship that you can see a first-time winner. And, and uh, quite honestly, I think tomorrow uh, we will based off what the leaderboard looks like right now. Alongside Mito Pereira in that final group on Sunday will not be Will Zalatoris. It will be Matt Fitzpatrick, Mark, thanks to three 
rounds in the 60s. Only Fitzpatrick and Pereira have accomplished that. This is continuing a trend of great play from Fitzpatrick this year. He's been piling up top 10s. He's been piling up top 20s. But here he is really in the heat of the battle and playing out of the final group tomorrow. Yeah, before <laughs> i got to do this before I... I uh, just mad Fitzpatrick. I've got to share this. Um, my friend Clay Frank Noblo loves puns. This guy's making puns in commercial breaks all the time, and Jim Nance finds him so hilarious. And right towards the end of the show, Noblo goes during a break, he goes, You know, Guillermo, because that's his real name, Guillermo is sitting pretty, but there's still a little meter left on the bone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, but I digress. Um, Fitzpatrick, to me, I spoke to him earlier this week, and I said to him, what do you think of the golf course? And he goes, it's good. And I was like, a little more, perhaps, do you want to share? And then he goes, you know, the bunkers are challenging. You want to stay out of there. But I sort of feel, I get the feel that if, if you just grind your way around you and you keep yourself in the game, you can have a chance. And he was essentially describing exactly what he does as a player. And then when you got those winds and the different wind directions today where it essentially leveled the playing field, um, you kind of had the feeling that someone like that was going to thrive because the golf courses are start past 70, even on a good day. And then on a, t- a day like today, when you're unsure of what's going on and anything under 70 is a tremendous score, you could just see Matt Fitzpatrick lining up a, a really good day because he's not afraid of hitting hybrids to greens. He's not afraid of chipping and pitching and putting and doing that sort of stuff to put a score together because that's largely his, been his career. And if you look at some of the courses he's won on, they've been sort of really classic, difficult venues. So I I wasn't that surprised because he sort of intimated in a funny way without saying so that he felt very comfortable around the place. Yeah, seven worldwide victories. So he's certainly uh, well-versed in what it takes to hoist a trophy on a Sunday, Coach. And when you look at his skill set, generally when these golf courses get more difficult, that is when Matt Fitzpatrick shines. He's made the cut at six straight major championships. He finished 14th at the Masters this year. He finished 23rd at this event last year. This this should not be a big surprise to have him in the mix. It shouldn't be. And, and I was thinking about some of those numbers that you just said, and it, it does seem a little dumbfounding to me that he has no wins on the PGA Tour yet. Uh, does have the worldwide wins for somebody who loves to play difficult golf courses that does them so well that he would not have stumbled into a win or perhaps a major by this point because there are so many difficult venues in major championships. Now, with that being said, uh, he does is one of those rare PGA Tour players because not everybody's wired this way. Not everybody likes to have you know single digits leading going into Sunday. Not everybody likes to grind it out. Not everybody has what it takes inside to rely on their short game and the putter and everything that goes into being a grinder. And he does. And I think it, it goes back to him growing up playing in the wind in Europe. And we see that a lot that European players do well in our championships that are in places that have a lot of wind. So I think for his sake, he better hope that the wind picks up even more tomorrow because the day didn't affect him at all. Mm. Uh, Will Zalatoris, who was our 36-hole leader, shot a 73. That is three over par, and he is going to be three shots back. And with the way that they decide the pairings, he will play out of the penultimate group, not the final group. And, Mark, 
Will just stumbled out of the gate. He was four over through his first seven. He cleaned it up and he got one of them back on his second nine. He came in in 34. That's one under, but uh, those four early bogeys really kind of set the tone a little bit. It smacked of a little nerves. I mean, it's a weekend in a major championship and you're in the final group. That's a big deal. And even if you're a cool cat like Will Zalatoris, you're feeling it. And and this golf course, if you just get on the wrong side of something, you're going to make a bogey pretty fast. They're very well. There were more hemorrhages today, but it was more like paper cuts you can have around this place. Now, if the greens were really fast, I think it would be almost impossible. Um, but yeah, it sort of looked nervy to me. But again, the knock on on him is just when he hits some poor shots, like you're going to if if you're under pressure, if you're nervous. You just got to somehow cobble together a par on the scorecard, and you do that with a nice recovery game, and you make some some of those sort of uncomfortable six, seven, eight foot putts. And he didn't do that early. He did sort of rectify the thing a little bit, as you point out. But I think the one thing he's got going for him is he's playing alongside Cam Young tomorrow. And remember, these guys are buddies from Wake Forest, okay? And and Will has sort of been the alpha dog in the two of in the relationship ever since they were together. So. I think it's in a place now where he's like, okay, I'm three back. I can free will some is when he plays better. And then he goes, and I'm also going to show Cam Young kind of who's the boss here still a little bit because he has been pretty good lately. So I think things are pointing in the right direction for Zalatoris. But the truth is, he I don't care what you say about his ball striking. He is going to have to make putts tomorrow. It's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If he wants to win, he's going to have to make putts. Uh, real, real quick, Rick, let me jump in because I need to pull him off my, my best Mark Immelman, if I could, please. Um, so I spoke with Cameron Young this morning on the chipping green as I was getting ready for my day on the course. I can't imitate him, but that's what Mark would say. And he simply – he was in, he was, he was in grind mode. He didn't want to talk for very much, but I, I did say to him, I said, what do you got to do today? Because I have a history with him. And he was just like, I've just got to make putts. And then he told Amanda Balionis on the broadcast, what did he say afterwards? I made everything. He said, I made a lot of 20 or 30 footers because it's so difficult to get it close to the holes on a day like today. So he had the right mindset, the right game plan, and pulled it off. And I think Cameron Young's a live dog tomorrow. Yeah, man, he is. He is uh, my clear rookie of the year candidate. He's been piling up top three finishes. Uh, This would obviously be... Of course, a signature victory. Um, I mean, let's talk. Let's dive into that that final pairing a, a little bit more here, Coach. I mean, Zalatoris. Uh, maybe it's better that he's playing out of the second to last group. Maybe it's better that he's playing with Cam Young. Maybe it's better he got this uh, bad round out of the way. We talk about that all the time. I mean that that penultimate group is is very very live, aren't they? <laughs> they they are live. But here's the problem: we we talk about it at nauseum about Will Zalatoris, and we say his we, he, he's probably the worst best worst putter as a as a top player on the PGA Tour. And the, the worst short game is Victor Hovland, and the worst putter by far is Will Zalatoris. When you watch his, his putter goes back, sometimes it's correct, sometimes it's all the way out to the right, comes inside the left. I just don't know how he's gotten to this point being so bad as a putter. And we saw it today on a course. What did Mark say? you got to make putts. From six to eight feet, you have to if you want to score. You have no other way of getting around this golf course. And what happened today? Four early bogeys. So he, I, I don't know tomorrow if it would be the best thing for him to, to have a bunch of short putts. I think maybe he starts hitting well, a couple early long bombs. Maybe that should be the scenario because right now when he gets to four or five feet, 
he might as well be – how many did he miss today that didn't even come close to the hole from six feet? Probably three or four. Early in the round, he looked. Yeah, he looked like it was yeah. it was bad, bad strokes and maybe some misreads too. It was early yeah. in the round was tough. Uh, yeah. Finally, here, Mark Cam Young discussed after his round, obviously with his connections to uh, with his with his dad, PGA uh, professional, how special this one would be. He noted, obviously, any major championship, any win is going to be special, but. Having an opportunity to put the Wanamaker on the mantle is kind of next level for someone like Cam. Yeah, I can only imagine having a PGA professional as a dad how meaningful it is because we speak to and like coaches hanging out with a lot of the PGA executives this week and and this is their championship and they say that at the end of the event so it'll be very very special uh, but I just want to say about Cam Young because remember we had tabbed him earlier this season on this very podcast saying look this is a guy that you want to watch out for and lo and behold it's coming to fruition and the thing that's so impressive about him. It's not as hard as he hits it. Now, far as what does it go? As what it goes, he's a tremendously rounded player, and I and he made some really good putts coming in, and he had some tremendous shots, and he does not look to me like he's scared of anything. You know, when you've sort of come up and not been the uh, the the star in the junior in juniors or in the in college or whatever the case might be, you know, you you scrap and you claw for scraps and stuff like that, and he seems to have that kind of mindset and demeanor when he plays golf it's, it's very sort of blue color and i'm gonna beat you and i'm gonna find a way to beat you and that's the way he plays and he plays that way unlike fitzpatrick with a weapon in the driver and the guy hits it a ton so he, he's sort of cut out of the same matt fitzpatrick cloth he's like a bulldog but the guy just is like a bazooka off the tee. So he's got a lot of physical gifts and he's got this mindset that really will set him in good stead, I feel like, not just tomorrow, but as his career progresses. No uh, social media, no social media. He doesn't He doesn't want any part of it. It looks like his heart rate never gets over 40. He's just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're playing golf today. Okay, okay. Uh, two guys who had themselves a great Friday gave a lot of it back here on Saturday. Justin Thomas and Bubba Watson is who I'm referring to. Now, they're both two under here, Coach. So they are both seven shots out of the lead, but only four shots out of second, depending on what Mito Pereira uh, might have to say about this event. A little bit disappointing, especially from JT, to not see him uh, go out there and apply a bit more pressure on the top of the board. I, I was more disappointed in JT's performance, to be honest with you, than Bubba. Just because Bubba is so streaky, and yesterday was one of those rounds that no matter what Bubba did, everything was going to go right. We've seen that in, in other players. So that, to me, was an absolute anomaly. So, uh, anomaly. Uh, so today when he missed that short put on 18, that was devastating for somebody like Bubba, who was at three under par. It would have just been six back and just three back in second place. And you saw how demonstrative he was when he missed that, that, that final putt. So, but for me, I expected that from Bubba. I said, if he goes out and does that today, okay. If he stays close, okay. But I thought JT would be the one. I thought JT would go out after shooting three really hard fought opposite of the best draw in the field, 67s. And then to go out today and really struggle, and he was clearly frustrated. Uh, he was more of the big surprise to me. Now, would it surprise me if he went out tomorrow and shot a 62? No, it wouldn't. We've seen him do it before. But on this golf course, Yes, yes, it would. I think the two unders are too far back um, 
to make a serious run. They'd have to play perfect, and then Mito would have to do something really wrong at the top uh, for them to be in the mix come uh, come down the stretch tomorrow. Both sitting at two under par, as I mentioned, and Mark, Bubba Watson uh, made plenty of noise because he went out in one under, and there were not a lot of scores uh, in red digits on, on this Saturday, but he, he made the turn at one under and then made four bogeys coming in, including a bogey at 15, 16, and 18. That is the definition of limping to the finish line. Yeah, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say anything about the hole locations today because there's no doubt that of the three days we've seen, these were the most difficult holes. And then you couple that with a new wind direction and a sort of cold, damp conditions where the ball wasn't going very far. But both Justin and Bubba, they really didn't have their best stuff. And Bubba was doing a better job of sort of scrambling and keeping the thing alive than what JT was. I mean, at one stage there um, – we went to a break and I just said to the guys on the open mic, I'm like, my mic count Bubba's had like um, seven one putts through 11 holes. And then later in the round, he'd gotten up and down out of the greenside bunkers five of six times. And I'm like, this is not Bubba Watson. It's not, not the guy that I watch. You know, he flushes the thing and then misses short putts. He doesn't make five and six and seven footers. But the one thing about, you know, that golfers that chip and putt for pars, it's the same as dogs that chase cars. They're not going to last very long. And that's sort of what happened. So um, for, for Watson, he didn't really have his best stuff. And for Justin Thomas, um, goodness, I mean, I hit him, saw him at some tee shots today that were, I was like, this is not Justin Thomas. Like an evil alter ego showed up and he was hitting low, flat hooks off the tee. Um, so, yeah, it was a strange sort of a day. But the truth of it is, is that in major championships, because you know you're going to have it, and both JT and Bubba had had a virtuoso time of it Thursday, Friday. So you knew there was going to be a leveling off somehow. And yes, they weren't very good today, but they did keep themselves relevant. And with something special tomorrow, let's say you get to if conditions stay challenging and it's going to be chilly tomorrow. Oh, you get to maybe seven-ish. You post seven, you might have a shot. You never know because coming down the stretch here, 16 is a brute 17, anything can happen. And 18 is, might be the hardest par four on the PGA Tour. So uh, you, you never know. But they're going to have to find a way to find a little form from what they had today. All right, gentlemen. Those are the contenders for the final round of the PGA Championship. We'll see how it plays out. We will not see Tiger Woods tee it up on Sunday because uh, just a few minutes ago, he withdrew from the PGA Championship. And, Coach, it was a Saturday 79 on the golf course, which is the third worst score that he has ever posted at a major championship. But in between shots, even earlier in the week, it seemed like that limp was more pronounced. It seemed like he was really struggling through the pain. And he said, not worth it tomorrow. I will uh, I'll head out. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't want to see this version of Tiger Woods. I think the story has been great, and I've been as loud as anybody about giving him credit for gutting it out and, and doing what it takes to make the cut. And then I was sitting back today, and I was at my, my speaking thing for with the PGA of America people and AIG, and, and we got a lot of questions about Tiger. And, and I, I got to thinking, this isn't the Tiger – this isn't the reason – that they're asking about Tiger. It's about his greatness. It's about 15 majors. It's about dominating fields. It's about uh, hitting shots that nobody else can hit. It's not about uh, can he make the cut and what does he have inside to play on one leg and all that. He has nothing left to prove. 
I'm glad he withdrew tomorrow. I did not want to watch again tomorrow what we had to watch today. And I hope that people are close to him, are honest with him, and tell him that if he can't play at a high level or if he can't play an event prior to a major, then he's never going to compete in a major again. You can't show up and find your game, give away one round, and then try to find it and then have your leg hurt on Saturday and Sunday. That's been the formula at the Masters and this week. I don't want to see this moving forward if he can't really, truly compete um, and, and, and have a game that could win. Yeah, Mark, it's, it's interesting, right? Because um, it's a reminder that despite making the cut in each of the first two major championships, he is still at this stage very much at the mercy of his body. And he has told us it's kind of a roll of the dice when he wakes up and sometimes it feels better and sometimes it feels worse and sometimes it feels a lot worse. And this week seemed to be on the a lot worse end of the spectrum. Yeah, we were speaking in the green room, all of us announcers before the show today, and the point was brought up. Someone had spoken to him. Um, it, it might have been Feldo at the Masters Champions Dinner, and Tiger was telling Nick about his day-long regimen to get ready for a round of golf. It's like it takes a couple, three hours to, to get himself physically ready to go including the warm-up. Then you've got to play four and a half, five hours on two demanding golf courses to walk. He's played in Augusta National in this place. It's called Southern Hills, all right? And then afterwards, the warm down, including ice baths and like a massage and all the sort of invigorating stuff that he has to do takes another couple, three hours. So you, you stretch this over a day and it is a huge endeavor. And I can't help but think because we were waiting to go out in the golf course where the player's exit 18 is right over the first tee where we were waiting. And when Tiger walked off there, I looked at a guy that was not just physically spent, he was mentally spent. And I couldn't help but think that this guy at both the Masters and here had thrown everything he had mentally, physically, and emotionally into these events to prepare, then just to find find a way to make the cut. Because remember what he did yesterday afternoon. 16, arguably one of the hardest two, three holes in the course. He stings one in there to four or five feet, makes a birdie, sort of basically guarantees he's going to see some weekend action. And that must have taken so much out of him that now Saturday rolls around and he's got nothing. And, and then he's got these long days out in front. So I'm sort of with coach, but I am looking forward to St. Andrews. I'll tell you this for free because yeah. – it's going to be a whole lot easier walk, and with conditions like this, we've seen Tiger still has the the hands and the the hands mm -hmm. to be able to hit these shots required. So it, it was difficult to see. It, it was sort of hurtful to see, and I just remember walking up eighteen the final time today, and I said to my spotter Gus, um, "I was like, dude, this hill's pretty steep." And he looked at me, and goes, "Yeah," and I was like, "Imagine what it feels like on Tiger's foot," and he's mm -hmm. he, he just shook his head. Because uh, you can't begin to describe to people what it's like just walking this place if you're fit um, versus if you're Tiger Woods with all these injuries and a right leg that's skimpy. And we talked about it last night, that quick turnaround, that, that Friday p.m. Mm -hmm. to an early Saturday tea time is just that's, – that's the worst. That's the brutal turnaround for everything that he needs to get done before a round. Okay, let's look at the leaderboard. And look at the odds here. So Mito Pereira, three shots clear, one and a half to one. Um, 
which is kind of noteworthy, Coach, because if it was anybody else with a three-shot lead, if it was a guy with a couple of majors in back pocket or at least a couple of wins, uh, he'd probably be like minus 200. Not, not so much here. Mito Pereira plus 150. Matt Fitzpatrick plus 340. Will Zalatoris is plus 400. And Cam Young is plus 900. They're the only golfers are, uh, below 18 to 1. I don't care if somebody hits a bet off of this board right here. If you bet tomorrow on somebody to win, then you don't know golf betting. You cannot bet this to win. The only value here at all would be Cameron Young, and even that's at minus plus 900. Today was the day that you wanted to bet on, guys. Cameron Young, I got a piece of him today at plus 5,000 this morning before his third round, and now he moves up, and now I'm going to sit on that because it's much better than plus 900. You cannot bet on a winner at plus 150. You cannot bet on a winner at plus 900. And everybody else is seven shots back, so you're just giving money away. So if you just want to give money away and bet on JT and hope, go for it. But on this course, uh, you're not going to come back from seven back and jump over eight guys because it's just too hard to make birdies and to shoot in the 60s. So to me, there's no value on this board whatsoever. Justin Thomas, 28 to one. I have a pre-tournament Will Zalatoris ticket that I'll probably use to just wipe my tears away with tomorrow <laughs> when, when Mito Pereira wins this thing. But Mark, I, I mean, so if you look at the odds board, um, Caesars says this is kind of like a three-horse race. You throw Cam Young into it, you get four. There's a big gap to Abraham Answer, who's only one shot back of Cam Young, which I think begs the question, Mito at nine, Fitzpatrick and Zal Torres at six. How far back is too far back? Well, remind me. I haven't looked at the board since I got off the course. Where is that? What is Abraham uh, right he's now? Because I know he's, he's, at, he's at four under, five back. I don't think Abraham answer would be that bad a bet. And I would. I, I, I'm hearing what Coach is saying about betting outrights. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick is the guy to stay ahead of tomorrow. I know Mito's got the lead, and I've got a lot of respect for him as a young player. But Fitzpatrick is seasoned. Fitzpatrick has got that thing about him. He's played in Ryder Cups, and and he's he's won at every level, and he's basically a PGA Tour champion and a major champion in waiting. So right now, I would say if you stay in front of Fitzpatrick, you're looking pretty sharp. But to your question, um, answer is I think you said six back, right? Five, five back. That's five back. Five back. Yeah, I, mean, I I see this the the whole location softening a little bit tomorrow. I see. If it's a par 70, maybe someone getting out and shooting 65 or 66 or something like that. And if an Abraham answer does that, and he was really sharp today. Um, Colton Nost spoke very highly of the way he played alongside McElroy. And I'm a believer if Cole says so. So, I mean, I would consider Abraham would still be legitimate. The guys beyond that have to pull the rabbit out of the hat. And I also, like coach, I don't really see anything in the low 60s uh, given with winds and uh, cold conditions. While we were talking through those odds, they just changed. Mito Pereira went from plus 150 to plus 135. So someone's lighting their money on fire, coach. Someone, <laughs> someone's doing it because the, the board is moving. Um, we'll get out of here on this because producer Jacob makes a, a good point here in our in our little private chat. Uh, a head-to-head matchup, coach. Let's call Ooh. it Matt Fitzpatrick versus Mito Pereira. It's kind of interesting because – they they have different goals, right? Fitzpatrick knows he's got to make up three shots. Uh, Pereira, his goal does not align with with beating Matt Fitzpatrick. It aligns mm-hmm. with 
winning the golf tournament, and he doesn't care how many shots that's by. And that's exactly what I was going to say. We always talk about educating, entertaining the people at home on how to properly bet golf. Because if you don't know what you're doing, you will lose a lot. This would be the perfect situation to bet the head-to-head. Because you're probably going to get, and I know a lot of the numbers will come out here shortly or later in the evening. My book doesn't have them out yet, meaning the head-to-heads. But I'm going to assume that Fitzpatrick will be around minus 140. And I would rather bet him head-to-head than plus 350 and start three shots behind. So you've got to think about it like that. If you're betting him to win, then you're starting a head-to-head matchup with him minus three. Think about that for a second. So I'd rather go head-to-head. All you got to do is beat him. He can still lose by two, and you can win the head-to-head at minus 130 or minus 140. To me, that's much better value because you only got to beat one guy. All these other guys could sail past him if you're betting on Matthew Fitzpatrick to win. That's the difficulty in doing that. Take the head-to-heads and just grind it out tomorrow. That, that would be the smart play. Some of the head-to-heads are coming out slowly, but the early ones, the first yeah. three or four groups that are out, uh, not not the later groups yet. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, as those numbers come out. But, gentlemen, this time tomorrow, we'll be talking about a champion. Did you want to jump in there, Mark? <laughs> I want to just add one more thing because uh, uh, I think you're wrapping. For all of my friends in the chat, because I've quickly glanced through what has been said over here. And Tiger Woods showed up, by the way. He's yes, showing up in our chat. Um, <laughs> all of these dudes out here, love you guys. But if uh, I, um, there's so much hatred. All of these dudes are like, yeah, we hope Justin Thomas goes in the tank because then for Mark doing this, and I hope Mark does this, and I hope Mark loses, and blah, 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 blah. You guys are dreaming. JT played as badly as he possibly could today, and he's in what sixth position or something, right? Seventh, correct? Am I wrong? What's what position? Uh, He's in uh, tied for seventh. Yeah, Uh, you guys are dreaming. Justin Thomas is probably on the range right now, just you know, ironing things out a little bit. He'll come out tomorrow and be just fine, and uh, I'll be a few shekels richer by the end of tomorrow evening. Rick, you have to hate the fact that right now the, the the true heavyweight battle on first cut is me and Mark. Because if Mark does that tomorrow, he will now have one major in his pocket. I will have one major in my pocket. And then we will have two more to battle it out. And I, I'm all about you guys playing along with us. But really right now, it's like <laughs> Muhammad Ali against Joe Lewis. And everybody else is watching. But, it, I mean, you, you, can, you, can, you can wrap it up, Rick. You can go ahead and do that. Hey, well, can I – can I interrupt the flow again? Jacob from the top rope. I just got to say, that is a, that is a quintessential Mark Emmelman in the most eloquent way saying what Kyle just says all the time, which is the fans can go pound sand. Yeah. It, it, took him, it took him one minute to say that. Yeah. It's true. It's true. That was Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, Mark Immelman can be found on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That's the coach. You can find him at the coach rolls. And same time, same place tomorrow, we'll have a new PGA champion. We're looking forward to it. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.